Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Already His Workmanship podcast. Uh, today, it's just Logan and myself, Todd. Uh, Dell had some training for work and was not able to attend. Uh, we wish him well. He actually traveled out to the East Coast where I was, and I got to have lunch or dinner with him. Uh, so it was great to see him. Uh, but keep him in your prayers. And uh, yeah, he'll probably be back next week, it looks like. Uh, and so, yeah uh good morning logan how are you doing today i'm doing well it's uh it's good to be back so it's uh i and when todd told me this morning it was going to be the two of us it was like oh we're it's the og crew uh but i miss dell he's got a great perspective but uh this yeah. this way uh you know, we'll, we'll get to dive some deep into some stuff too yep so i'll go ahead and open us up for prayer and then we can uh discuss the questions from last week um Dear God, thank you so much for giving us this opportunity to come together again this week. Uh, we pray that um, both Logan and I can remain open and honest and loving and that um, the things we talk about this week uh, bring your healing and your love into the people who listen. And thank you so much for this opportunity. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, so let's see here. Questions from last week. Uh, first one was, what are the results of relying only on yourself? Um, Death, destruction. No, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm there. So a funny story. So, um, you know, we were talking about the things a couple weeks ago that, like, we couldn't give up. And I ended one thing saying like food's a big issue for me. And the next episode is like, like, what are you, <clears throat> what are you giving up to God? And I'm like, Oh, like I just, I, I can't remember exactly what I said. I think it was like, you know, more along the lines of like, I've given up so much. It doesn't, I feel like I'm fine. And she was like, I totally thought you were going to say food. I totally thought you were going to say the issue that you identified that like, you know, <laughs> That, that like food and eating candy and you're just going to give it up that, that that's what you're going to do and i was like oh man it's oh, hard no. when your wife is like listening to the podcast and she's like i totally thought it was going to be this <laughs> um so, so yeah, what was your so what was your response to that question i was like oh that was, that was really good that's a really really good question i'll, I'll actually have to like talk about that um and I don't have a good answer for it, right? Because it's just, I don't have, um, you know, it's not something that I've figured out yet. Like, like alcohol is really easy. I can just stop it. But like figuring out if I'm eating food for comfort or if I'm eating food for because I'm hungry isn't something I've been able to figure out yet. So sometimes it's really clear, uh, you know, that, that it's eating for comfort, but a lot of times it's really like opaque to me and I haven't figured out how to actually go about doing that um, very well yet. So that's okay. I will, I'll keep on working on it. So uh, I don't just keep on expanding my belly and my weight because I <laughs> don't want that either. Right. So. Well, the relationship with food is, it's complicated and, and, just a quick aside, I was just because it's on the it's on my mind because I'm struggling with that right now too, trying to find victory in 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 you know my my personal fitness and victory in 
you know, a struggle that has been, you know, so has, has gone on for so long that, you know, I think at some point in my life, I just decided that it's something that I, I kind of lost the battle and stopped fighting the war. Um, but that's, that's, you know, not a healthy place to be. Um, but anyway, I was, I was watching my wife and I like to watch alone. We started watching during COVID because we felt so alone that, you know, we've really identified with these people who were, you know, it's a history channel, you know, uh, reality show and they drop them off in the middle of nowhere and 10 items. And they last one, you know, that out of the 10 people, last one to tap out and call on their sat phone gets like half a million bucks. And so we've, we followed the show. We're like watching season eight. Now I think they're in season nine. And one of the ladies who's actually lasted quite, quite a long time in the wilderness, she was talking about how she rewards herself with food. You know, it's like, oh, uh, you know, I had a good day or I, I finished writing a chapter of my thesis or, you know, or whatever it is. And I do the same exact thing when and um, where it's like, oh, yeah, I had a good day. I, I did my work or whatever. So I reward myself with something. And she was saying that the difficult part for her was like, that's how she celebrates. And so, like, how does she do that when she doesn't have access to food? And I'm struggling right now and trying to go go through this whole thing of like trying to change my experience with food and trying to not have it be the thing that I reward myself with and celebrate with. And it's just like everything I look forward to like, Oh yeah. You know, even about a holiday or about it's like, you know, getting together with friends. It's like food is wrapped up in all of it and having to understand and break that connection with it is, is really, really hard because it's super deep seated in, in our psyche and it's deep seated in my, my, my upbringing and, all these memories are tied in with it too. So, man, I, I'm in the same, we could do an entire episode on that, probably a series on like yeah. food. Well, like almost all of our best conversations for you and I have happened over a meal. So, or even like, I don't know, my most like, yeah, just like so many of them are just amazing. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. It's so, a great facilitator, but it's like we have to under, even though it's a great facilitator for relationship and community and conversation, it's like getting, getting these things that even though they are important, even though they're not necessarily going to go away, like understanding yeah. that getting them categorized right in our life is very difficult. So what about you? What is your uh, results of relying only on yourself? Are you just going to? Stick with uh, no, I mean, that's, that's, I mean, that's uh, certainly part of it. I, I think I like to blow these things up to a little bit like more macro level sometimes. Uh, sometimes it helps and sometimes it doesn't. But I was just thinking about this question this week and, you know, I kind of the counter, the, the point counterpoint of like what happens when I rely on myself, if I look at it on a, like a more macro level is things devolve things to destabilize, they, 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 they sort of get worn out when I'm relying on myself. And I look at this, like, like I'm, I'm generally a pretty conscientious person with stuff and I try to take care of my things and whatever. But when I'm, when it left to my own devices, my car gets super dirty and my, you know, like my, my stuff gets worn out. Um, I get worn out. The people around me, get worn out. Um, but when I rely on God, there's like, there's a, there's a refreshing, there's a recreation. Um, he recreates energy, recreates patience and love. And so 
I think that's where if there's an area of my life that's straining or it seems to be wearing out or wearing thin, that's generally where I've been, you know, because I run myself hard. I run, I have a tendency to run other people hard that are around me without a, a grace that comes from relying on the Lord. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, there we go. Tiredness and strain and things wearing yeah. thin and people wearing thin is probably the answer to that question. Yeah. Mine is uh, the first thing that I noticed when I am paying attention is I get restless, irritable and discontent when I'm doing stuff on my own. And for me, like one of the reasons why I talk so much about emotions is emotions are a like they're my signal indicator uh indicating what direction i'm about to turn in without knowing it like it just it just tells me what's going on in my life or tells me what external things are going on in my life so i can like process that with god right and so um just knowing my emotions um i've heard a lot of people talk about like emotions being like unreliable because they change all the time um for me they're reliable because they tell me what's going on either from an external stimulus or from actions from myself um so it, it gives me an idea of what direction i'm going and like oh like oh i'm not relying on god right now or like when we talked about happiness or uh worry or sadness like some things are completely external right like um I heard a great uh, podcast episode with Jewel talking to Joe Rogan about uh, like pain and suffering are a tide that go up and then go back out, right? And I, I feel like so many of those things in my life are the same way. It's I just kind of end up being that exact same philosophy on a lot of things. So um, that just helps me like, oh, this is a tide. I just need to stay still. I'll be fine. Or, oh, this is something that's my own doing that I need to make sure I'm working on. Yeah, that's, oh man, that's so hard. That's something I definitely haven't mastered that you've, you've helped me with uh, in the, our conversations have helped me with is you know, when I'm experiencing something from an emotional perspective, like every single emotion, like I need to know the cause and I need to know how to, you know, and, and I need to know, um, you know, what, what happened to make this happen and how do I do it differently so that this doesn't happen again, <clears throat> especially a negative emotion, but then experiencing and, and seeing some negative emotion as something that's just inevitable. And that is part of life is, is sort of a journey that I'm on right now in this thing that I've been trying to do for the last probably two years, which is to really grow up emotionally. Um, and it's, it's, it's hard when you're used to, trying to control everything and looking for a reason for everything. And not just, not just looking for a reason because you're questing for knowledge, looking for a reason so that you then know the reason. So then you can then control the outcome, which is really sort of, you know, what I was motivated by the whole time. And that, that's one of the hardest things. I got to listen to that episode because the whole idea of it more being an inevitable thing that just happens in life and that flows in and flows out is is that's that's a hard concept um something mm -hmm. that i don't something that part of me doesn't want to believe that like i can feel it in my spirit even as you're talking about it something inside me is like reject that notion that you can't control all of your emotions or your experience and whittle your life down to something you know it's like 
I don't yeah. like that. It usually means it's true. <laughs> yeah. There are just certain things for me that I emotionally have no control over. They're entirely external stimulus and they happen and I just have to accept them and like have God help me get through it. Right. Which is what we're going to talk about today. So um, that's a good thing. So we'll, we'll, we'll talk about my process of doing that. Um, all right. The, the next question was, in your life, how would you define sanity? <laughs> That's the one. All right. So my definition of sanity is pursuing what is the most true. And my walk has taught me that the most true thing I can rely on is God as I understand him and making sure I surround myself with people that also are uh, that have a, an understanding of God so that my understanding of God doesn't lead me into some really dark places or something that's like not really truly part of his character uh, so those like sharp edges can get filed away um, but yeah that's that's for me what the, the sanity is is like seeing stuff in that perspective um, of like love and mercy and uh and like in, in the perspective of jesus being this like strong all-powerful god that laid it all to the side in order for mercy to come in right and he wasn't weak or anything he he set aside his power and did something meek but he wasn't weak right and so like that that's really for me where the sanity comes in is looking at that stuff um and the second part of the sanity thing is just relentlessly owning my own stuff right when something happens and i think it's all somebody else's fault um i really have to dig in and figure out what my stuff is um because if i live in a way where something's everybody else's fault then that's kind of insanity that's like kind of everything spins out of control there right but when i relentlessly kind of come back into myself and figure out what my part is um sanity is is there and that for me mm-hmm. yeah i think um for me for me sanity um i really i when i think about it i come back to integration like the parts of my life and of my being and my psyche jiving and being integrated well with each other and not being not being at odds i think to me that sanity i think the this is something that you know probably about i don't know about three or four years ago um and it, it, i think it coincided with you know for me doing a lot of a lot of um it was, it was like right before i started doing a lot of work in studying the enneagram which is you know, uh, you, as you know, one of my passions is, you know, exp- understanding people, personalities and, and those kind of things. But I think it, it derived from a quest to sort of fix something in myself that I thought was pretty broken because in understanding, it's like understanding, you know, first off, you have to understand why you do things sometimes in order to, to really come up with a strategy to fix it. And what I was finding myself doing was in the different areas of my life, whether it be work, church, my personal life, 
you know, even, but even that those are big categories and it was even subdivided into smaller categories. I found myself kind of crafting these personas that I knew were acceptable to the people that I was around. You know, and we've touched on a little bit when we talked with Dell about sort of the fear of man and how to me, the fear of man runs so deep in my, in my personality and so deep in my soul that it, it actually was created, it was creating a situation where I was very, very fractured. You know, and so it's like, okay, well, here's, here's, okay, Logan, you know, when you walk into the door at work, here's the things that you can talk about. Here's the things that, here's the ways that you can be, here's the persona that you've crafted for these people to see. And you have to exist inside this box that that is acceptable to these people. And then when you walk out of that and you walk down the street or you're hanging out with these friends, this is how you can be when you're hanging out with these people, this is how you can be. And I started getting to the point where it was very good at crafting these things, like crafting these personas. But then you get to the point where you're juggling so many stinking personas that you really feel like you're going crazy. And I don't, I don't even just say that just figuratively. There was a moment probably about five years ago where I literally was asking myself, because my, my, my grandfather on my mother's side was a schizophrenic and he, it was, and, and he wrought just all kinds of abuse and terrible stuff on, on his family just through his own suffering. Not, not even like he was trying sometimes. I mean, he was, he also had horrible PTSD from the Korean war and all these different things, but he was, he was at a certain point, just crazy. You know, insanity was not something he had in his grasp. And I started feeling myself slipping into, you know, maybe I was a little alarmist, but I was thinking, man, you know, I'm, I have a proclivity, like, or I have a genetic predisposition to schizophrenia. Like, am I going down a a pathway that's going to lead me to just having a multiple personality, you know, schism or something like that? And so, you know, so probably for about the last four or five years, this whole process of trying to grow up emotionally and trying to get some emotional, you know, um, maturity has been really to battle back from this thing of, you know, I have these 10 personas that I'm managing every day and trying to tweak. And every time there's a new thing that comes in, I have to figure out how all the 10 people in my head would respond to it. It's like, this is not good. This is not leading to sanity. This is going to lead me to being insane. Like, how do I integrate this down to where I have one persona? And even if that one persona is not found to be as acceptable across all these 10 expressions of my life, like for me, I need to be that one person. And to me, that's integrating everything, integrating, integrating thought, spirit, emotion, all of these things and dealing with them, especially that emotion one. That's icky, Ugh, gross. Don't like that one. But that's like the, the last one. It's this corner of the corner, the corner of the house that you don't want to clean because it's really gross. It's the, it's the rat, it's the trap, the lint trap or, you know, the garbage disposal that's for me. And that's sort of the process I'm on now. So that's how I define sanity is, is integrating all those parts across everything and dealing with the stuff that you really don't want to deal with. Yeah. Um, you know, then I came into your life and I was just all I wanted to talk about was emotions all the time. Cause I was miserable. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I was going through the process of integration and it's not yeah. fun, but then you're the one who's like, dude, clean out the disposal. No, yeah. no. Like dude, here, hold on a sec. Let me show you what's in mine. 
oh man look 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 what i found you know it's like the like when you when you clean the trap in the you know in the in the in the shower and you pull all the, the hairball out of it and you're like Ugh. it's uh, like that's what you were doing for me every day it's like look what i found hey logan come on this journey where i'm gonna pull all this stuff out and show you all this gross stuff and all i'm doing the entire time is going i know i have that in mind yeah and it's still there and it's blocking the flow of water down the drain and look at Todd. Todd is very open with everybody about all the stuff he pulled out of the out of the shower drain. I got to go clean my shower drain. Ugh, I don't want to do that. But yeah, yeah, but it's good. You know, it's good. I mean, you have to do it. You have to do yeah. it. It leads to freedom, even though yeah. it's you know can be pretty awful at points to do. So yes. All right. So what does Relying on God look like. That's kind of what today's episode is about, is relying on God, right? Um, so what I do to rely on God is I have this, like, three-step prayer for my recovery time, right? And it goes something like this. Like, the long version of it is, like, God, I can't handle X, this situation, this emotion, this whatever, it happens to be, uh, I can't handle, you know, it doesn't matter what it is, right? It just, I can't handle this. Like, I'm angry at somebody for cutting me off, or I, I don't know what to do to parent my boys correctly right now. Like, I just I have no idea what to do right now in this situation. I never imagined this situation before, right? Then I'll be like, I know you can handle it. You're entirely capable of handling it. Um, so I'm going to let you, right? And it ends up being this like really quick prayer that I say lots of times, like, oh man, I can't handle this. Got to like, like, I can't, you can, please do it. Like, I give it to you, right? I can't, you can, I, I give it up. It's something super fast, right? Um, it had to be super fast because like, there's these times in my life where it was just like overwhelming and I had to do it like thousands and thousands of times a day where, you know, I would get relief and I would feel the relief, but it would only be for like five seconds or 10 seconds or 30 seconds at a time before I had to do it again. You know, there's this period of time in my life where I worked for um, a boss. And so uh, um, relying on God's going to be weird, right? So I'll, I'll get to the boss story in a second. Because um, when we're relying on God, there's always going to be a time where he asks you to do something that looks just completely dumb from the outside, right? It's the equivalent of walking around Jericho with a bunch of trumpets uh, telling the people on the top of the, of the walls that you're going to conquer them. And you like walk around it seven times and the walls fall, right? But while you're doing it, it seems completely ridiculous, right? Like, how are you going to conquer a city by doing that or um you know there's just so many times in the bible where it's like counterintuitive right um where he asks us to do something that just makes no sense whatsoever like why does the battle go poorly when moses's hands fall down right or or whatever it happens to do be there's just like so many examples of that um so for me I've had a lot of those things happen and I always go back and think to the story that happened God, it's 12 years ago now. 
ish. It's a long time ago now. Um, I was working for a boss and in uh, the days when I was working selling electronics and he was really abusive to the entire staff. He would get in front of us like inches away from our face and threaten to physically assault us and like send guys home for the day and then call them and ask them why they went home and call them back in and like we just always want to make sure we were walking around the store and like we had to like get coached to be like you know greet people like like right when they walk in the door and they had like a line that we couldn't cross because there's so many sales guys that were aggressive trying to get to people you know that you couldn't cross that line like you couldn't greet them before the line because there was like periods of times where there's guys like waiting in the parking lot to greet people as they walked in the door right to be that aggressive right and it was just crazy because this like, is not a store that i would frequent <laughs> yeah and so people go through that gauntlet and to be like just hanging out in the back of the store and i was like the best in the store at getting people to talk after they've been assaulted by 15 guys right and i would just like do it i would just be like you know I would do the Jane Goodall thing and go do some work with my back turned to him and not pay attention to him at all. And then eventually they come over and talk to me, right? And just be like, oh, just like cleaning TVs or build stuff. Like that's what I always did. And, you know, and, and they're always just, it worked great, right? Um, but it was like, like my boss hated it, right? And he like his coaching with me for like two years, even though I was always top three guy. Um, most of the time, every once in a while, I dip down to like number five, but I was always in these like top guys there. Um, you'd be like, you know, here's your quota for the core for the month. If you don't hit your quota, I'm going to put you uh, on a personal improvement plan and I'm going to fire you. Right. That was it. Like every single time. And I was like, what is like, it was miserable at the time. Right. And I prayed every day, like, God, I cannot deal with this. I need you to get me out of here. Then fast forward two and a half years and I became like the subject matter expert on training people. And I had trained like 10 guys in a row where I, they shadowed me for a month and then they went to another store uh, and all of them were top performers immediately. Like just every single one of them. It became, I hired somebody good. I'm going to send them to that store so they can get trained by me. Like that's what was starting to happen. Right. And uh we hired a new uh vice president of sales that was going to help us grow the company and be in charge of that and i come to find out that he has a stellar career where he's led multiple other companies from being small companies to really large companies and as i was training him like one day he pulled me aside and was like you know you, everything you're doing is right just keep on doing exactly what you're doing and that will lead you to success. And it was all the things God was telling me to do. And none of the things my boss was telling me to do. And I was like, Oh, okay. And after that, it was just like my career just took off and I was able to do lots of other things, but it's all the foundation of it was coming from having to do this every day. <laughs> and I got through it all day long by doing two things. I walked on the opposite side of the store from my boss the entire time. Um, so I was always far away from him and he walked really fast around the store and I walked really fast around the store on the opposite side. And then every time I saw him, I would just pray like, I can't handle this. You need to 
handle it for me. And so it'd be like 10,000 times a day I made that prayer. Um, but eventually it was okay, you know? And eventually I was just like, weird things happened where I walked into the store and he sent me home because he didn't like the fact that I didn't go to the front of the store uh, to greet people that are walking in the store, but I saw people in the back that needed help. I just went back there and did my thing and got them to open up. And like, he came up to me and told me to go home right in the middle of me making like a $10,000 sale. And I just didn't leave. <laughs> like he said, like, just go home. I'm so like, just mad at me in fury. And I just didn't go. And I just like, like 10 minutes later, I came back to him. and was like, dude, I, I just need the approval on this deal so we can like get it closed today. He's like, why didn't you go home? I'm like, I'm just trying to make a sale, man. Like I just, these people need help. Like they want all this stuff. I just need you to approve this deal so we can uh, like get them loaded up and, and get the stuff scheduled for their install. It's like, that's the kind of attitude I need from you. <laughs> Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh like, man. In the middle of that, I'm like, so what you need for me is just complete insubordination. And just like, I was just like, okay, I'm just going to do what God tells me to do. And I'm just not even like, cause it was like so comical. Right. I was just like, okay, sure. Just, just that. And I was just like, okay, it was just, it was so surreal to me. Um, but yeah, so that's like how I kind of learned how to stand on my own and, and do some stuff. But it was all based on that like three-step prayer of God, I can't handle this. I need you to handle it for years. Uh, but I don't know, it bred in this this like, like thing that's just there, right? Um, if that makes sense. So. Yeah, no, uh, yeah, man, Ugh, that's what an what a what a weird situation. But but of course, you know, victory. You you found some victory by and solace in God. God leading. That's I was identifying with this because I mean, my boss is nowhere near like that. But um, but you know, it's just this idea of like, oh, what's your plan? Like, what's your you know? Because I you know, I'm in this uh, the company that I'm in now. I came into a territory knowing full well that it was in bad shape, but it's like the worst one in the company, and it's like it's really really bad. And so every day I go, what have I done to myself? Like, what have I done? I went from a job where I was doing very well to like coming into this, you know, it's like, Lord, why would you lead me to this? And it was, I really felt like the Lord was leading me, you know, to this job that I'm in. And, and it's just like, if I told him my real plan, like, what's your, so what's your plan? You know, we had this, uh, well, my plan is I'm going to, I'm going to rely on the Lord even more than I have before. That doesn't go very well in the in the business world. Like I'm going to pray, and what God tells me to do, I'm going to do it because I actually believe that He's a big enough God that He can not just take care of my personal life or my work, my church life, but He actually has my work life in His hand as well. Yeah. <clears throat> That's in a good day, though. Let's be honest. There's many days yeah. where I, I I don't I don't get there. I can't do it. You know, one of the number one signals I have in my life that I'm in a desert is when a widow who has nothing and is about to die shows up to take care of me. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. <laughs> like, I just like that Elijah story just has hit me so many times where I'm like, oh, I'm here in the desert and like I meet somebody and they're like, you know, hey, I had this last little bit of stuff. I'm going to eat it and then die. 
right? And, and that's who God uses to like transform my life. Like that's happened over and over again. You know, the best thing about the story about my boss, right, is like, number one, I tell that story all the time. I tell it to my friends in addiction all the time. I tell it to people who are struggling with this concept of just relying on God and making that prayer. And like, like that prayer doesn't work, Todd. And I'm like, oh, no, part of the magic of the prayer is you have to say it 10,000 times. Like, it's like that active act of putting um your will into the care of god's control um that active will of making jesus lord of your heart isn't something that's just done once right it is done continuously and like that exercise that a lot for me and the next part is like i pray for that boss all the time like i can't tell you how much i prayed for him it's thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of times because every time i tell the story i pray for him every time i remember him i pray for him like earnestly i want his life to be abundant beyond all belief because i received so much blessing through some arguably really terrible stuff but like i just pray that his life is magnificent and full of peace and joy and and god is abundant in his life that's what I pray for all the time. So, um, which is something we'll talk about in the future of who do you, who's your neighbor and who should you love? It's probably the person that makes you the most angry. But yeah, it's the, the one that, that you share a fence with, right? <laughs> yeah. That, that, that is the one that um, we'll, we'll probably go through a full series on, but everybody, when I just said that, like all of you listening, uh, you instantaneously had that person in your head instant that first person that's in your head oh yeah that's that's the person you have to love but we'll talk about how to do that you don't have to worry about doing it beyond just praying for them right now mm -hmm. just just pray for them right now we'll get to the, all the other stuff later so well I'm, um i know you you challenged you challenged us with what does relying on god look like and mm -hmm. um so my I'll, I'll tell my story it's um i'll i'll be brief but you know the the most recent one for me and I actually shared this at church the other day because we were, um, it was, I think two weeks ago, um, my, our pastor, um, and a good friend of mine, Tyler was, was talking about, we're, we're, we're reading in Joshua and we're going through the process of the Israelites going into the promised land. And one of the things for them was that they, when they crossed over the Jordan, they built these stones of remembrance, something so that they would go back and they can remember what happened in that time. Um, and so he had some of us go up and share, you know, sort of some testimonies of something that God had done. And I was, I was, I had fully intended to share something completely different, but then right beforehand, I, I'm sitting there in the, in the front row and I, I text my wife and I go, Hey, you know, can you, or, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd asked her earlier, but then the music starts and because he kind of, someone dropped out. And so he kind of asked me last minute. And so she texted me and she goes, why don't you tell the story about our house? I was like, Oh, okay. Yeah, that's good. That's a good one. And um, anyway, we, you know, it's probably five years ago, almost six years ago. Yeah, um, it was about six years ago. We, um, we were at our church up in Placerville, which we'd been at forever. It's actually the church I grew up in and I left for college and came back and new leadership and all that kind of stuff. But, it, you know, I've been there for a long time, never, ever intending to ever leave that church and go anywhere else. Because, I mean, it was like so much history and connection and just wonderful community, great friends. 
Um, and so, you know, we, we felt that we we're uh, praying and then we felt the Lord tell us both of us that like we were supposed to sell our house and, you know, we had been, we'd actually, you know, we bought that house and we bought it right before the big crash and, you know, we'd been stuck in it for a long time and, and we had just kind of, but we had really just fi fi finished a process for, you know, creating a new bedroom and bathroom out of a, out of a garage and all that kind of stuff. We were actually like really, really happy in this house for probably the first time in a long time because our houses, our family kept on growing and like, we were kind of dialed in and we liked the location, even though, you know, it was right downtown and, you know, just we're really loving it, but we really felt like, okay, we, we need to sell this house. And it would really been right when we come to the place where we're at peace with staying there for quite some time. And so we're like, okay, well, you know, and we prayed about it and like, why, why, like, why are we supposed to sell the house? And like, no, no answer. Crickets, crickets. Okay. But we really still felt this, this enduring feeling that we should sell. So we went through this process of selling it. It was not easy to sell. Um, it was, there were six months. It took us to, to market and sell this house. Cause, um, and just, it was one of those houses where you, you either hate it or you love it. And so Amanda you know, still to my wife to this day is still traumatized by the six months that she had to keep the house clean to show at any uh, given time with a toddler and two, you know, with three kids, one of which was a toddler, my daughter, Aria, who is, uh, she can be a handful sometimes. So we finally sell the house and then, but we don't really, we haven't really felt like we know what we're supposed to buy. We're just supposed to be kind of free. And so we started, we, we go and we rent and we're renting this house down on Spanish, Spanish ravine. And we, we moved in this rental and we even like when we were selling the house, we didn't have a rental ready. We, we actually lived with family for a couple of months and um, we, we really didn't know where we were, where we were going because rentals are hard to find in my area. And so we moved in, to, a friend from church was like, Hey, you know, actually the house next to us is going up for rent. So they were able to get us in there. So we moved in. And we had been going through a time where I was very strained. We, I'd been on eldership up, uh, up at my old church for a long period of time, over 10 years. I had been leading, you know, college group. And then I was leading the youth group and the, there's a youth group and working the entire time, you know, at a, you know, as a, basically a CTO for a public sector agency. And we were, we were about as burned out as we could possibly be. Um, my, our marriage, I mean, we, we weren't on the rocks, but it wasn't in a great space. My wife and I have a tendency sometimes to get to a place where we kind of just like roommates. Um, you know, we're always on team together. We're always pulling together. We're always supporting each other. But the, sometimes the the affection is is, is tough um, because generally because I'm getting I'm working too much and I'm spending too much time pursuing something. So anyway, so we move into this rental where there's nothing to do around the house really when we're living next to our, our friends, some of our dear friends and, and right down the street from some of our other friends who moved in there and their daughter was like a babysitter. And so I arranged for her to come over once a week to babysit our kids so that I could take my wife on a date. And like for about a year, I took her on a date every single week. It was like the most wonderful time. I've never been able to recreate it, but it was such a healing time. It was such a healing time for the two years that we were there. It was probably, it was one of the most, it was like, we had all these people that we've been giving out, giving out, giving out, giving out. But then we went here and these wonderful people that lived near, right next to us and right across from us, just basically loved on us and poured into us for probably two years. And then, and then, you know, someone moved and then we felt called to come down and plant, help plant this church about, a, you know, 25 minutes from where we were and actually leave my, 
my church that we'd have been, you know, is not leave as in, I mean, we were being planted out from that church. I don't know. And then we, we planted out and then we bought a house and then we, you know, we're helping lead this church, which is meeting in a school and then COVID and all this kind of stuff. And I just don't know. I know, actually, it's not like, I don't know. I know we didn't, we would not have had the runway. We would not have had the energy to be where we were, what to do what we were doing unless we had followed the Lord's guiding. If we had hung onto that house because we didn't have a plan and we didn't have a, the next step plan and we had tried to sell it a couple of years later and gone through all that trauma of trying to sell a house while we were helping lead a church, there's just, there's just no way our life would have been in a place where we could have done it. And you know, so that was my, my big rock thing of like, you know what, sometimes even if I don't know, cause I always want to know the next step. Like I always want to have a plan for like what the next step thing is. And, you know, that was my, you know, the Lord kind of knocking me upside the head and going like, you don't always have to know the next step. It's better than what you could arrange. Like I never, I didn't know my family needed that, let alone arrange it. Um, and so he's, that's what relying on God has gotten me. The more I can do that, the more I'm blessed through designs of my own uh, that are not of my own making. That's just so cool. I think it's super cool because like directly affected my life so much because I met you like six months after you moved down and started the other church. So, mm -hmm. um, and it so deeply affected me in my life and my family. So, um, I wanted to make sure we tied this into something scriptural. And uh, for me, this relying on God thing uh, looks like this from Romans 12, 1. Therefore, therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, which is your spiritual worship. Um, you know, there's a um, thing in there, right, that... that as we just like place Jesus as the authority in our lives and the Lord of our lives that like our lives turn into something totally different. Right. Uh, that is like something holy and pleasing to the Lord. Even all the terrible stuff that's happened to us, even the worst, the worst things that have happened to us, all the stuff that happened in the past, um, all the stuff we've done that is terrible, you know, God redeems it all and helps us like take responsibility for it and, and, you know, make things right. And, you know, that's where this comes from, right. Is this thing to, to do this. Right. So, um, I mentioned the last part about it, like making things right and like gaining freedom from the past and all that, because that's what the next few episodes are going to be about. So, um, we're going to be kind of going into this uh, zone of some deeper work over the, you know, the next, I don't know, a little bit, right? We'll, we'll, I'm not sure exactly. Well, we won't go into the number of episodes, right? But we're like a quarter of the way through uh, kind of the spiritual foundation stuff that I wanted to talk about. Uh, then we can talk about all kinds of other stuff based off that spiritual foundation. So, because once you have the spiritual foundation, you still got to build a house, right? So, <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, so, um, yeah. And uh, that kind of rolls into 
our our next questions as far as for next week. Um, I don't know, before I jump too far into that, um, for that, for that, uh, um, scripture there, Logan, yeah. uh, what does it kind of mean to you in your life? I, I don't, I kind of, I talked about it some, but I kind of wanted to hear from you too. All of a sudden, I think God wants you to say well, a living sacrifice. I mean, I, I've always, I, I go back to a, a, a sermon that I, that I heard, um, a long time ago. Um, and I'm not even sure who to attribute it to. And it's the, the idea that a, a living sacrifice is, is difficult because you know, most sacrifices are killed and then, you know, you lay them on the altar. But the thing about being a living sacrifice is that you can crawl off. You have to stay there voluntarily. And that, that, this verse, always, that verse always comes to my mind when, when I, I walk into a church service and, you know, the worship starts and there are, there are many times, many more times than I would choose to, that I would want to um, admit where I'm just like, I just don't feel it. I don't feel like worshiping right now. And to me, but then it's this idea that this is my, it's like, what, why do I worship? Do I worship because I feel great about what God, who God is, and I'm so happy about my life? No, actually, the reason I worship is because it's his due. It's what he it's what he has done. It's the, it's like a, it's not, I hate to say it is like, it's a transaction, but a bit of it is like a transaction. It's like he has earned our worship through his care. He created us. He loves us. He redeemed us. So our worship to him is actually something that he is, he has earned regardless of whether or not I want to give it to him. And so sometimes that's my sacrifice. My sacrifice is worshiping him, even though I don't feel like it. And then, um, oh, you know, almost immediately oh, every time, I, when, once I can get my heart to that place, I, I very quickly, once I begin to worship, I feel like worshiping. It, it, carries, it carries me and, and you know, you kind of get into that zone. But that same exact thing is like, like, I stood up in front of hundreds of people that I'm close to and promised to love my wife. Do I always feel like I want to? No, but I promised to do it and she, she deserves my love. And so sometimes my love for her or my love for my kids or whatever is a sacrifice, but it's what I promised and what they and what they, they have, what they are due. Not they earned, but it's what they, it's, it's that it's theirs. And I, I, I have to bring it to them. And so to me, when I see that, like, offer your body, offer yourself as a, as a sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Um, it's, it's that process of, of understanding, like that the way I feel about doing something has very little bearing on whether or not I should be doing it. Oftentimes, oftentimes, you know, and there's also, there's, there's a wonderful blessing in actually doing that. There's a, there's always a blessing that comes when you, when you are obedient to God, always. Um, but there's just so many times where you don't want to, but that's part of being a living sacrifice. Sometimes you pull yourself off the altar and you got to pull yourself right back on. So, yep. Oh, great. I love that. Um, especially about just like 
fulfilling the promises we made, right? Because that, mm-hmm. that's the that's the hard thing, right? Is is there's always times that we've feel like not doing something we've promised to do. So, yep. Um. So next week we're going to kind of start into a spiritual inventory and what that looks like. Um. One of the important things is you listen to that and you kind of prepare for that concept is it's a balanced thing, right? It's like, it's not this thing where you're just beating yourself up for all the terrible things that have, that you've done in your life or whatever. Uh, there needs to be some balance and stuff there. So um, we have two different questions this week then kind of getting prepared for that. First things, first one for the question for next week is what things have you blocked? Uh, what things have you done? What, what things do you do uh, to block pain from your past? And the other one uh, is, has anything we discussed thus far on our podcast brought you a new perspective or helped you? Or, or have you changed a behavior? Uh, or like, like, did this those things right there, like, like, what's going on that might be different or different perspective or different thing um, where your life is better from it, or you, you know, that it's something that's better deep within you. Right. So um, a couple of those uh, questions there to also kind of gain their perspective of, you know, we're, we're struggling with some deep ideas. And as we take some steps, like really great things start happening to us with God and God brings great blessings in there. So um, even though there might be pain to get through it, right. As a, as the, um, uh, as the uh, prayer goes, you know, the serenity prayer is like accepting hardship as a pathway to peace. Right. So, you know, are there some things that have happened so far that have brought you a measure of peace would be, uh the question there kind of ramble around there to get to it but (laughs) that's kind of where we're at so uh would you go ahead and take us out in prayer logan absolutely lord we we do thank you for this time Lord, we thank you for the ability for us to do this podcast we thank you for the i thank you for the friendship that you brought me and todd and that you knew that um many years ago that i needed someone um to help me walk walk life out walk out what you've what what you've brought me through and to um invest and and really build something for the future and i I pray for each and every person who's listening to this lord that you would bring into their life or or remind them of somebody that they can that they can walk life out with and through conversation dialogue um really um chew on and and get some great value from the the wonderful um, things that you brought into our life and the, the truths that you want to drop into our hearts. And Lord, I just, I, I pray that, um, that we would, that we would take these times and then we, we would really search on these questions um, and really, um, really find the value and the truth that you have hidden in them. Um, and Lord, uh, that we can integrate them into our lives and really find the peace um, that, that your word talks about a piece that passes all understanding and that brings us through many of the, the tough uh, things of life. Or we do again, thank you for this time and pray that this would be um, a blessing to those who hear it in Jesus name. Amen. Amen.